Hey, this is Pastor Michael Alfaro from The Calling Church. I'm so excited that you're listening to our church podcast. I pray that it blesses you and encourages your faith. series called Church Hurt. Can you say that with me? Say Church Hurt, all right? All right. I took a survey a, a little bit or last week about how many uh, people have been hurt by church in our church, all right? Not, not necessarily hurt by our church, but hurt in a church, a ministry leader, a pastor, and a lot of you raised your hand. And if you're here this morning and you're visiting us and, you're, and uh, it's kind of surprising that we're talking about church hurt, uh, I just want to let you know that this message can correlate to any hurt that you've had in your life, all right? So let me say that again. Just because we're talking about church hurt, you may not have had church hurt in your life, which is great. But stick around church a while, and I promise you uh, it can get messy a little bit, all right? All right, but you need church, all right? All right? And, and by the way, I was talking with God last night as I was preparing. And how many of you ever actually been to an emergency room before? All right. Yeah, it's not fun, right? And it's not really customer service driven, right? There, it's not really, you're not there for the customer service, but you're there because you're in deep pain, right? And how many of you waited and waited with that pain? Like, man, I need to see a doctor, right? Get me to, come on, doctor, hurry up, right? I need, I need help, right? I need medicine, all right? I don't care if the nurses give me a side eye. Give me the medicine, homegirl, all right? I need healing, right? That's sometimes what I think about the church is that people, People need healing. People need love, all right? People need to be bandaged and wounded up. But can we make room for those people in the church and in the body of Christ? And let me just say this to you, all right? And the people, you know, even if the nurse gave me a side eye, even if the doctor treated me a little bit rude, guess what? I still believe in hospitals, all right? I still believe in medicine. I'll still see the doctor even if he's rude to me. Come on, somebody. So many people get hurt. I'm preaching now, all right? So many people get hurt in church, and they say, I don't believe in church anymore. Well, God was just like saying, that's like someone believing in no medicine anymore and no doctor anymore. Good luck. Adios, all right? We, that's not what God believes, all right? God had instituted a church you can read it in Matthew chapter 16. Remember, uh, Jesus actually uh, uh, has a meeting with his disciples, and he says, who do you say that I am? And Peter stands up in his faith and says, you are the Messiah, all right, uh, uh, the son of the living God. And you know what Jesus says? Peter, on this rock, on this bedrock, I will build my church. Whose church? My church. His church, all right? His church. Do you know this is his church. This isn't Michael's church. This isn't Corrine's church. This is Jesus Christ's church. And what he says to Peter, he also says this, and the gates of hell will never prevail over my kingdom, over my church. Come on, somebody, all right? Isn't that amazing? All right, you guys get a better, give a good, better clap than that, all right? Because no matter what happens in the world, no matter the chaos, no matter if we're hurt, no matter if we're wounded, the church of Jesus Christ will always prevail. It don't matter what they're saying in Fox. don't matter what they're saying in MSNBC, all right? You got to look for yourself where the truth is, all right? This is where the truth of God is, is right here, all right? So that's just a little side note for you, all right? Not in my notes at all. But God believes in his church. Let me tell you this. God so loved the church, even before the church was instituted, created, that he knew you, he knew me, and he knew that there was no other way but through the cross of, his, of Calvary. And that's why he died 
for you and me so that we can be wiped away clean, all right? And seeing without blemish, anointed, consecrated, set apart for the glory of God. That's how much he loves us, all right? That he would die for his bride, radiant, resplendent, all right? Beautiful bride. In fact, you can read Revelation, all right? He says, I'm coming. Uh, uh, may the church and the bride say, come, all right? He earnestly, all right? Because he loves his church. And although... Sometimes the church can get skewed. Sometimes the church can get a little greedy. In fact, read Revelation. You remember the context of Revelation, all right? Revelation where a few letter, seven letters written to seven churches, right? And he has something to say about all of those churches, all right? That's homework assignment for you. Read Revelation, and you'll see that God has something to say about the churches through the, uh, the Apostle John. Anyway, I just realized I have not prayed for my message, so I need the help of the Holy Spirit. Would you guys stand up with me as we just pray for our sermon, our series, as we get underway? I'm really excited, and I believe God wants to move in our, in our hearts. Father, we just ask that you would be here this morning. God, I pray that I would get out of the way and that you would speak your truth and your word. And Holy Spirit, we pray that you would alter our thinking. Holy Spirit, change our minds. Holy Spirit, remove the distractions. And we know it's a little hot in here, but we, Holy Spirit, we'd rather be in the heat with Jesus than a cool AC without him, Lord. So we want to grow and we want to glean from you because you can do what only you can do, which is change our lives and inspire us. We believe in you. We trust in you. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen. amen and amen. All right, you may be seated. Thank you for allowing me to ask the Holy Spirit to come and be a part of this because I cannot do this on my own. Jesus needs to strengthen me, uh, strengthen me and be uh, speaking this word through me this morning. So I want to talk about our second installment, Church Hurt Series. And basically, if, if you're uh, new to this series, that's okay. Welcome. Uh, I believe that mankind is hurting, all right? I believe that there are many people hurting in life. And uh, 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 what the Lord has shared with me over a year ago in preparation for this series is that, Michael, I want you to talk about church hurt. And I said, oh, God, that's a bit edgy. I don't know if I want to be that edgy, all right? And he said, Michael, my church ain't talking about it. People get hurt in church all the time, and we don't talk about it. We hide it and pretend everything is okay when inside you're dying. And inside you have so many questions. And just like that video we watched, we're like, God, does the church even work? I know what you say, and I trust you, but everything that I'm experiencing is fake. I just want some real truth. I want to be with real people and grow and make progress in you. You know what I'm talking about, y'all? So God wanted me to uh, begin this series in which we're doing this morning. And I believe that maybe you haven't been church hurt before. Just stick around church. It could get messy a little bit, all right? And I'll explain why we need church, all right? The church is part of God's redemptive plan for the whole entire globe, all right? The church is part of God's redemptive plan. There's no other agency, not Auto Club, not the DMV, all right? That's going to change your life, baby. Come on, somebody. That's going to infuse the Holy Spirit up inside of you, transform you, make you leave drugs, restore your marriage, reconcile your life. Come on, somebody. Chick-fil-A ain't going to do that. Apple ain't going to do that. McDonald's ain't going to do that. The church of Jesus Christ will do that for you, all right? Feed the poor, clothe uh, 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 the naked, all right? Be there. Yeah, don't, yeah, naked. Anyway, all right. 
Um, that, that, that's what God has instituted through his church. So he believes in the church. He loves his church. And I said this last week, no church ain't perfect, baby. Come on, somebody. Because if you go to the perfect church, you're going to screw it up, all right? And I say it around here, if you're perfect, you got to bounce, homie, because you're going to mess up my church. I'm still in progress. I'm still on my way, baby. Come on, somebody. And I need Jesus. I need his grace, just like anyone else. The only reason I can stand up here this morning, the only reason I can do what I'm doing is all by the grace and the glory of my God, because I'm a flawed man. God knows my stains, but he encourages me to do what I can do, and it's only by his grace and his love that I can accomplish this purpose that he has for me. Come on, somebody. It's not by my own strength. It's by his strength inside of me, all right? So we're talking about church hurt, all right? And if you, if you haven't been church hurt before, like I said, maybe it's a past relationship. Maybe it was a wife, an ex-wife, an ex-husband, ex-girlfriend, ex-fiance, whatever it was. This can, I believe, it's, I want you guys to take notes because uh, I worked really hard on it, all right, and because I believe that this, uh, these tools have the power to really help you heal. I really, I told my wife before I went to bed last night, I said, I really wish there was a time, and I'll explain that in a bit. I really wish there was some kind of, like, time portal that back in 2013, Arnold Schwarzenegger would jump through that time portal and say, Michael, <laughs> it's horrible. I- I'm here to help you, all right, because I had Jesus. I had the Holy Spirit, all right. But I needed someone to understand what I was feeling. And when I went to church, I just felt like, well, you're all good. Maybe I'm just the messed up one here, all right? And I need help. I need healing because I, what, it, what happened to me ain't right, baby. And I love Jesus. And I started looking at Jesus a little wrong too, all right? So we're going to be talking about this. The first, or excuse me, the second installment of our series is called this, Processing the Pain. So the, what we're going to talk about today is we're going to process the pain together, all right? Can you say that with me? Say process the pain. Process the pain. Can I ask you a question this morning? Have you ever processed the pain of your hurt in church? Oh, come on, somebody. Have you ever processed the pain of your hurt in church? Can I give you a solution right now? It's not in my notes. Going to another church because you got hurt at a former church is not going to heal you. Come on, somebody. You're going to bring your hurt from that church all the way to the next church, and you might mess up that church more, okay? <laughs> That's a myth. And in fact, it might help you. Going from one church to another church might help you, but it will not heal you. Do you hear me? It might help you, but it will not heal you. Why? Because you have a soul problem inside of here. And there's deep wounds embedded in your soul. It might be cool. The music might be awesome. You might look fly. You might be on the front row, baby. But you're still hurt, all right? You know what I'm talking about? It's getting real. Oh, snap. It's like, oh, snap. All right? right? Your hurt will follow you. So much so, I remember that when I started the calling church, I thought I was good. But, man, I was banged up, all right? So here, I'm going to go through the first point, all right? So uh, we're going to talk about processing the pain. And let me tell you, if you don't process the pain, you're you're not going to heal. You're not going to heal. You need to process the pain, whether regardless if it was church hurt or hurt in your life, a relationship. Maybe you're supposed to get married. That fell through. All right. Maybe it was a relationship issue. You need to process that pain or you will never heal. All right. And I'm going to get more into that. So the first thing that we got to do when we process our pain is we got to identify the hurt. We got to identify our hurt. Can you say that? Let me say identify. We need to identify our hurt. Do you know why you got church hurt? All right. Oh, the pastor didn't say hi to me. All right. 
The volunteer, they, they treat, they, what, what was the reason of your hurt? You need to ask yourself that. Why was I hurt? Why was I offended? All right? So, so one of the fill in the blanks is there's whatever happened to you in church, what, what, why did it hurt you? Why did it hurt you? If you have not, pro- let me tell you, let me just pause right here. If you have not processed why the hurt hurt you, then you're not healed yet. Come on, somebody. You're not healed yet. You're still living with it. All right? Well, I don't like that church. Why? Because they don't sing the right song. <laughs> I don't like that church because of this. That's No, you need to he- There's some other wounds going festering underneath the surface of those wounds. And can I just share with you right now under this point, identify. If you're angry because of your hurt, it's not good enough. If you're angry all the time because of your hurt, it's not good enough. Do you know that psychologists actually say that anger is a secondary emotion? Anger is not a primary emotion for my psychologists that are in here. I know you're in here, all right? It's a secondary emotion. I, I got my degree. No, I'm just kidding. I did not. <laughs> all right? It's a second degree, a second, uh, a second yeah, it, it's secondary. It's the second degree. I know where the degree came from. All right? Second degree uh, emotion. Anger is second degree, all right? Did you get that? So what you're feeling it primarily is something more than anger. Do you hear that? So I, I, back in, let me share a little bit of my story before I get more into it. Back in 2012, 2013, probably 20, 2011 to 2014 was a very difficult time of my life. In fact, I got married. I met the most beautiful, amazing, radiant, resplendent, amazing woman. All right, I got to marry her. And uh, we met in the church, all right, which is awesome. God restored my life. I, and at one point, I, I shared before, I thought I was worthless in my life. I thought I was so badly abused growing up. I was told I was nobody. I woke up in the morning going to school said, you're just going to be just like your father. My dad was a heroin addict all my life. Couldn't sustain a job, was not responsible. I was told that I was garbage, to be honest with you. I wasn't provided for. I had to start working. Office Max in Pomona, my first job at 16. I had to start providing for myself because my grandmother wouldn't do it anymore. All right? In fact, my wife laughs at me, but I would get so hurt and angry because my, my grandma would give me $1. That's funny, right? $1 in high school. What you going to buy? Nothing. All right? All your friends and homies are buying Chick-fil-A and you keep Domino's, but got box lunch, all right? Woo-woo for box lunches, all right? Who had box lunch in high school? Yeah, come on, somebody, all right? So that, <laughs> someone gave a golf clap. I, was, I love you, man. That's awesome. I like you. Uh, so, uh, but my grandma would come home with In-N-Out every single day because she would treat herself but treat us like nothing, all right? I forgot why I got into that. Now I've totally lost my spot. Anyway, so I, I was treated like that. But then in my life at 20, 21 years old, I gave my life to Jesus. And what I told you about the emergency hospital was me at the age of 20. I will never forget, I went to a ministry called Epic Life. And I was a little bit intimidated because you know how young adults can be too cool for school. But my, my mindset was, I need Jesus. I don't care what y'all think. I need hope. I need healing. I was abused. And I need life in Jesus' name. I don't care if you're, friend, or you're my friend, but I know that I need, I, I need the, I need the doctor. Come on, somebody. And that's where I started to get healing. I was bold about it. I need Jesus. That's what I want to be right in my mind. I don't want to make the same mistakes my father made, my family made. I want to be my own me. I want to live my own destiny. I want to follow the calling that God has on my life. I don't have to live in the past. I don't have to be passed on the baggage that they had. Come on, somebody. That's a word for somebody. You can be, a, you can be 
awesome you can be, a new you, when you walk with Jesus Christ, healed and whole, all right? So I got my life right in church, and I gave my, my whole life to church. I met my wife, I met my mother-in-law, I met my family, my mom and dad came to faith, got off drugs, all right, reconciled. My mom was an alcoholic, all right, changed my life forever. But then I got behind the scenes a little bit in that Wizard of Oz moment where you kind of see behind the curtain. And remember the wizard is like, he closed back the curtain because he didn't want them to see what was going on in the back. I kind of experienced that in the back. And it really hurt me because in the background what I saw was I saw pastors mistreating each other. I saw gossip. And I thought, but you're the people. What are you doing, right? You're the people that's supposed to have it together, right? But let me share, no one has it together perfectly. Okay, I saw pastors resign. One of the greatest hurts I have had was a pastor that I so dearly loved to this day, did life with every single day. I was like his right-hand man. He stepped out of ministry because he was so abused and hurt that he said, I can't take it anymore. And I said, bro, where are you going? He said, I can't. I'm sorry, Michael, but you're going to have to carry on in this work, but I'm going to, me and my wife are going to step out of here. Till this day, still hurt by church, all right? And that bruised my soul. God, what's going on here? I remember when we started the Calling Church, and this is part of my hurt journey as well, is that I was told I was not basically good enough. I was compared to other people in the ministry say, well, you know, I've seen this person in action. I've seen this person, what they can do, but I don't know what you can do. And I'm like, but I've been here for like all my life. What do you mean? I got saved here. I met my wife here. And that devastated my life. All right. And that's not why we started the Calling Church. Let me tell you that. That's not why we started the Calling Church. The reason we started the Calling Church is because a time of prayer and fasting, while I was getting my theology degree, God said, you know what, Michael? I'm setting you apart because I have given you gifts and skills, and I want your story to be shared with people so they can be raised up in me, all right? Not everyone in the world is going to come to this church. I need to release you, and I want you to raise up great followers of mine and release them to go capture the world in Jesus' name, all right? That's what he had for me. But I, so, so when we started our church, I had all that baggage in my head and in my heart. I was, I was, I didn't, and, the re, and the reality was I didn't identify what was happening in my heart. And it, it hurt so bad that it was affecting our relationship. It was bruising my marriage. Every day that I came home, I kid you not, I'm being raw and real with you. I crossed the threshold of my house or my apartment and I was mad at everything. I was angry. And my wife, she was just so beautiful and so kind, so gentle. She didn't need that explosion. You know what I'm talking about, right? She didn't need that explosion in her life. Man, boy, what's wrong with you, you know? I don't know what's wrong with me. I'm just mad. It's a secondary issue. And what I was not doing was I was not identifying the hurt in my life. So much so that she was like, you need to go see a therapist. I was like, girl, I'm all good. I don't need to see no therapist. What you talking about, woman? I'm good. I got Jesus and the Holy Ghost and his word. I'm all straight. You know what I'm saying? Right? Especially men. We do. I'm good. What? I don't need that. And then I was so bad. All right? And this is when we started our church. This is when we started our church. And part of the hurt, and I'll explain that more, part of the hurt was that I was living, I was giving those people real estate right here in my heart and real estate right here in my head. That every time I came to the pulpit, I would hear those voices say, you're not good enough. All the while God had said, you are good enough, right? I was not letting go of the past. It was hurting me. And I want to say this to you right now. There can be a connection. Say connection. There can be a deep connection with your church hurt to your past hurt. Come on, somebody. 
There can be a deep connection from your church hurt or any hurt to your pastor. And you know, I believe that there is a devil, and I'm not going to give him much glory because he don't have the victory. I read the end of the Bible. I know what happens, all right? But the, the, the reality is in Ephesians chapter 6, he is a schemer. He will take people's words and turn it into a dart or a spear and chuck it right at you because he knows the weak links of your armor. Come on, somebody. He knows it. So when those people were telling me, you're not good enough, when people were walking out of my life, it had a deep connection to my my upbringing and I didn't realize it until I I, I didn't realize it all right and so uh what was that connection when I was young I I felt abandoned by my parents I felt rejected because they lost custody of me I felt rejected because they were so far in their abuses with drugs that they lost us all right I felt isolated I felt vulnerable I felt alone and then my grandmother telling me that I'm not going to be worthy I'm not good enough you're not going to amount to how many know sometimes people just cast off what they feel onto you because they don't know you know what I'm saying you know what I'm talking about I believe that's what my grandma you're going to be because that's what she was feeling on the inside of you but uh, uh, I'll just leave that right there all right so those are the things that I was going through while I was starting the church and my wife and my marriage was kind of sinking while we were starting the church I'm being raw and real with you believing that God's gifts and call were still on me and she said bro you need to go see somebody all right she didn't say bro but she's like you need to see somebody because I'm not dealing with this anymore you know how when your wife says I'm not dealing with this anymore it's time to shape up bro come on somebody all right time to get your butt right all right so I visited some pastor friends and I shared with them and you know what they did? They said, you know what? I'm being real honest with you. They said, there's some, there's some therapists that I would like for you to go see. Go see them. And I said, oh, man, I don't know if I want to do that. Come on, man. <laughs> and you know what? I did. I took the leap of faith. I believe in Jesus, but I also believe in medicine. I believe that he used trained, specialized people to help us. Come on, somebody. You out there, all right? Just because you have Jesus, which is awesome, he can do anything, all right? He can. But he will use people in your life to help you heal. So I, uh, yeah, you can give God a clap for that, all right? So I went to therapy. I did. I'm, I'm sharing, be vulnerable. I went to therapy for a little bit, and I shared with a therapist. And he, he's the one who really made me see, Michael, your church hurt? There's a connection to your pastor, buddy. And he said, you know what? And this, this kind of scared me. It shocked me. He said, you know what? That hurt is never going to go away. I said, what do you mean, man? Don't scare me like that. What are you talking about? All right? He says, no, with people, we tend to think that it goes away. But there are flare-ups in your life that happen, and it's going to come back sometimes. So what we're going to do in therapy today is we're going to name it. I said, oh, my God, what? All right. We're going to name it, and I'm going to give you uh, some tools to help you suppress it. Some of you right now, there have been flare-ups in the hurt of your life. You get a job, they say something, it hurts you again. You go out with your friends, they say something, it hurts you again. You have a family now, there's things that hurt you in the family, it hurts again. It's time to process the pain. It's time to identify the wounds and get healed in Jesus' name. Come on, somebody, you out there, all right? You got to identify the pain, all right? How about this? If you don't heal what hurt you, you will bleed on people who didn't cut you. Let me say that again. If you don't heal what hurt you, you will bleed on people who didn't cut you. All right? That's what was happening to me. Someone else cut me in the ministry. I was bleeding out on my employees at work. I was bleeding out on my wife. I was, ble- I was, just ma- I was bleeding on my cat. Get out of here, cat. All right? I was, ble- I, was, I was just angry all the time. All right? But that was a secondary emotion because I was wasn't going to the primary feelings of what I was going through, which was abandonment, isolation, which was vulnerability. So why did it hurt you when you went to church? 
What happened there that hurts you? Did they make, did they reject you? Did they make you feel isolated? Did they make you feel like you're not good enough? Well, once you identify what hurts you, then you can apply the healing balm of God's word. This is the great remedy that can help your life. If you feel rejected, you know that God has chosen you, right? You know the Bible says about abandonment that I will never leave you nor forsake you even to the very end of the age. Come on, somebody, you out there. So once I started to know Jesus and started to identify my wounds, I applied God's word to my life and it healed me, all right? So now when I, I hear the voices talk back to me, you're not good enough. I quote scripture back to the devil, and I make him know where his place is and where my place is in Jesus' name. Come on, somebody. You out there, all right? So let me just say this. Anger is not an escape. Anger is not an escape. It's devastating to your life, all right? Our hurt can have a correlation to our past, so we must identify it, or you're going to go to the next church, and you're going to be hurting and bleeding out all over there. And they're going to be like, dude, what did I do? (laughs) And you're carrying the old hurt from the other place, all right? So you need to deal with it. Say deal with it. Come on, somebody. we got to deal with it and identify it. That's part one, all right? So, uh, uh, excuse me, that's my first point. My second point is this, and I want to share this with you, all right? Is, is this is what happens when we get hurt in church or in our life, is that we become victims. And I'm here to tell you this morning, you are no victim in Jesus' name. We are not victims, but we are victors in Jesus Christ. I want to let you know that God, our Savior, did not live a victimized mentality. Let me say that again. Jesus Christ did not live a woe-is-me life. Do you know how many times he, they tried to kill him? At least three that I know. Do you know how many times people spoke bad about him? Do you know how many times he felt isolated and rejected and abandoned? And not one day did he wake up and say, God, woe is my life. My life is not going to surmount to anything because these people don't believe me. Jesus Christ did not live a victim mentality. He knew there was victory through the cross. Come on, somebody. He would not subjugate himself that way. So if you're feeling like you're a victim because of the hurt, you got to get out of that mentality and stop commiserating with people who are going to keep you in that space in your life. Come on, somebody, all right? You need to surround yourself with, I'm preaching to somebody this morning. Come on. You need to surround yourself with people who are going to pull you out of that victim mentality. So you are a conqueror in Jesus Christ. You can do the uh, amazing things. You can accomplish wonders because God is within you, all right? Let me tell you what a victim mentality will do to you. It keeps you from moving forward. Victim mentality is fear-based. I'll just get hurt again. I don't want to do it. I don't want to serve in church. Why? Because I'll just get hurt again. I don't want to serve in church because I'll just see behind the curtain again and get hurt. Come on, it's time to grow up in Jesus' name and realize that life is not easy. You're going to get hurt somewhere here, somewhere there. But it's time to be a victor in Jesus' name. Come on, somebody. All right? You guys alive out there? All right, this is from, I'm just preaching myself then this morning, all right? A victim mentality makes you give up. I'm not good enough. I'm not going to try. I'm not going to join the game. I'm not going to enter the race. I'm not going to be a minister. I'm not going to do this because I'm going to be hurt again. I'm going to give up. A victim mindset forfeits your potential. It forfeits your potential. A victim mindset loses out. This is the part that to me is scary and sad. A victim mentality makes you lose out on wonderful opportunities. A victim mindset makes you lose out, excuse me, on great opportunities. Feeling sorry for yourself won't help you. Feeling sorry for yourself won't help you. And let me tell you, Jesus understands your wounds. 
There, you know, I was, as I was studying for the message, I, there's a few times that Jesus actually says this. There's a person at, I believe it's in the town of Bethsaida in the Bible, and he comes across a paralyzed or an in, in, uh, invalid pretty much paralyzed man who cannot move. And in this city, there was this pool called Bethsaida. And there was a myth that there would be angels stirring the water. And anyone who had diseases or was uh, sick, they would jump in the pool and they would come out healed. But this man sat next to, whoops, this man sat next to the pool for many, many years. And now one day Jesus comes across the pool. And I feel like in my mind, he kind of folds up his arms and he speaks to this invalid. Across, through, and there's many people there. And he says to them something very interesting. He says, do you want to get well? Come on, somebody. He says, do you want to get well? You know what his response was? It was really an excuse. He said, but sir, there's no one here to help me. I want to let you know that that man seems to me to live like a victim mentality. When there was just a few feet away, all right, he could have got his healing, all right. I want to let you know that being a victim will never help you in your pursuit of Jesus Christ and your pursuit of your dreams and pursuit of a great family and pursuit of a great career. you got to stand up on the inside of you and say, I'm a victor in Jesus' name. Whatever had happened to me, it didn't just happen to me. It happened for me because I'm going to be better, stronger, wiser in Jesus' name. Come on, somebody out there, all right. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 8 says this. It says, though we experience, I love this, though we experience every kind of pressure, we're not crushed. At times we don't want, to me it's like a commercial. Though we experience every kind of pressure, we're not crushed. At times we don't know what to do, but quitting is not an option, all right? We are persecuted by others, but God has not forsaken us. We may, we may be knocked down, but we're not knocked out. Come on, somebody. I don't care what the world throws at me. You might knock me down, Grandma. You might knock me down, church, but you have not knocked me out in Jesus' name because I'm going to get back up. I'm going to keep on going because I know I have the victory in Christ Jesus, right? I know I'm a somebody, all right? I want to speak to someone here who's been knocked down, get back up. Get back up in Jesus' name. In fact, you have a church who's going to help you back up. You have people here who are going to, it's time to let people help you back up. Stop staying on the ground. The Bible says that though a man falls seven times, a righteous man gets back up, all right? Might have quoted that wrong, but whatever, you know the point, all right? Get back up. You're not meant to stay down. You know, the enemy wants you to stay down. You know, and this part of my point here is that you got to be resilient in life. you got to be resilient in your life. Oh, man, this is my life story. Let me share some stories with you about being resilient. And, and, and this is not about me, but this is God through me. I remember at the age of probably five, six year old, years old, I found my dad's drugs for the first time in my life. I went to go get some toys. That's what I remember. And I pulled out this little Ziploc bag and I said, Dad, what? Why? Why? And I, I saw a strong, burly man sob right in front of me, break down because he was a drug addict. And I know in his heart he just wanted to be there for his kids, but he was so far gone. You got to be resilient, all right? I want to share with you that my grandmother abused me a lot of my life. You're not going to be nobody. I remember one time I, w- I, w- I worked at Office Max. My, my other grandmother, who actually visits this church, all right, she might be here tonight. That's not that grandma, all right? She helped me buy my computer for school. 
I remember my grandma got so mad. We live, on a, we live in a condominium, second story. She grabbed my computer. She, she was strong, man. Anchor can, can give you some power in a bad way. She got my computer, my new Sony Vial. She threw it down the steps because she was so angry. That's abuse. That's wrong. I, I, I want to let you know that I had to be resilient to move past her words. And at the age of 16, I read the book of John, and I realized how much God loves me, what he thinks about me. I gotta be, I'm not going to live a victim mentality, all right? I had to conquer so many things and fears in my life that I stand before you as a man who has been resilient all my life. And come what may, I'm not, I might be knocked down, but I'm going to get back up in Jesus' name, all right? And I'm going to let my friends help me back up. Come on, somebody. Whether it's through addiction, whether it, whatever it is, I'm going to get back up because I know I have a purpose and significance in my life. I stand before you as a miracle today. To be honest with you, or not being addicted or not, uh, not on drugs or any kind of thing like that. Because Jesus Christ has fully healed my life. He has given me a wonderful wife. He has given me a wonderful baby on the way. Come on, somebody. He has given me a new spirit, and I'm on fire for Jesus, if you cannot tell, all right? It says this. There's a quote that I read, and I love it. It says, I am not a victim. No matter what I have been through, I'm still here. I have a history of victory. Come on, somebody, all right? I am not a victim. No matter what has happened to me, I have, no matter what I've been through, I am still here. I'm still standing. I have a history of victory, all right? I forgot this one. This got so bad. Years later, I saw my dad. Me and my dad went to the, to the movies with my aunt, fresh out of jail. My dad's like a day out of jail. He went to the bathroom. He took too long. And my aunt's like, go get him. I'm like, I just want to watch Jeepers Creepers. That was the movie. Jeepers Creepers Part 2. Suck. Don't watch it, all right? <laughs> and and uh, I was like, I don't want to do that. And she's like, go check on him. I was like, fine. You know, I'm like in junior high school. This is years later after finding his drugs the first time. I went to the bathroom, and then I saw him laid out under the stall. Gone. Gone. And it scared me. thought, I, I started, I don't, when you don't know how to do CPR, you act like you know how to do CPR. Started put, doing CPR on him, and I thought he was dead. That was one of the worst things I had ever seen in my life. Then I seen the paramedics come and inject him with some kind of anti-drug and just gave him adrenaline, woke him up just like that. But I stand before you to tell you this morning that you can be a champion in Jesus. Let the past be the past and look forward to all the bright future that God has for you. It's time to move on from a victim mentality and woe is me and your Savior has never lived that way. Right now, he, he was lashed, all right, with a cat of nine tails, right? 40 minus one. He was beaten, bruised. Isaiah said he was so beaten, he was unrecognizable. But I want to let you know still, he was not a victim. He sits right now at the right hand of the Father and all glory and all praise in heaven. He is a victor, and us through him, we have the victory in Jesus' name. So no matter what you're going through, depression, cancer, sickness, you have the victory. You keep moving forward, and you allow your friends to pick you back up and move and press on. Come on, somebody. You out there, all right? And my last point is this. I got to rush, or not want to rush, but I got to keep moving, all right? Is this. So what, what I'm saying, the last few points was this. And your church hurts, you got to identify the pain. you got to identify the pain. All right? What happened to you? Why did it hurt? you got to ask yourself that. Why did this hurt me? And what am I going to do about it? What is Jesus going to do about it? Come on, some of you guys are enjoying the message out there? All right? I'm talking to myself, by the way, right now. All right? Uh, uh, my second point was this. 
as we are church hurt, we need to realize that we're not victors, victor, uh, excuse me, victims. We are victors in Jesus' name. We're not victims. Whether you're hurt by church, whether you're hurt by old relationship, you're not a victim. This didn't happen to me. This happened for me. I, I don't know how, and I, I, I think sometimes, well, I don't think it was part of God's plan, but all the abuse and the drugs in my life was somehow making me ready for my calling in my life. And instead of just subjugating myself and shrinking back from being hurt again, I decided to move forward. I'm not letting the devil get the best of me in my church shirt. I'm moving forward. Amen. All right. Here's the last point I have is this, is you got to shift your focus. Say shift your focus. You got to shift your focus when you're church hurt. You got to shift your focus when you're hurt by someone in your life. You got to shift your focus. A lot of times when we're hurt and we're down, you know what our focus is? We're focused on the perpetrator. We're focused on the hurt. And let me tell you, if all you feel, all right, if all you see, if all your focus is the person who hurt you, all you will feel is the pain within you. If all your focus is on the person or church who hurts you, you'll only begin to feel all the pain that is within you. What is your focus this morning? Can I just share with you? Don't give those people the real estate in your mind. Don't give those people the real estate in your heart. It's time to shift our focus off of them and onto Jesus. Come on, somebody. It's time to move our perception, our focus off of the people who hurt us. Because the reason that you're not moving forward is your focus is on them. Come on, somebody. But we need to shift that focus onto Jesus. And right now, I believe Jesus is saying, son, daughter, give me your focus. I want you to actually move toward forgiveness, and you're never going to forgive if your focus is only on them. Your focus has to be on me, on Jesus Christ, all right? You have to shift your focus. You know what makes me think of, and it's so biblical, is imagine a gold medal marathon runner, or, or, or just imagine a, a track runner in the Olympics. Do you know that they have trained so many years and so long, probably since childhood, what their focus should be? Do you know that their focus is not on onto the people on the next of them, the next lane of them? Their focus is on their lane. Their focus is on what's ahead of them. Their focus is on what the victory, God has the victory for them ahead of, of them. Their focus is not on the, the people. They know if their focus is on the other people, it's going to slow them down. All right? You see what I'm saying? You got to get your focus off of those people. All right? It says this in Philippians chapter 3, 14. It says this. I, I don't depend, Paul, Apostle Paul, I don't depend on my own strength to accomplish this. I love this. However, I do one compelling, I have one compelling focus. I forget all of the past as I fasten my heart toward the future instead. Come on, somebody. I run straight for the divine invitation of reaching the heavenly goal and gaining the victory prize through the anointing of Jesus. I love the message. It says, by no means do I count myself an expert in all of this, 
but I've got my eye on the goal. Come on, somebody. Do you see that? You got your, he's got his eye on the goal. Paul was abused. Paul was maligned. Paul was mistreated. Paul has accolades upon accolades. But he says, I consider all of that rubbish, all of that hogwash, because I have my, my focus set on what's before me in Jesus' name. All right? So by no means do I count myself an expert in all of this. But I've got my eye on the goal where God is beckoning us to onward to Jesus. I'm off, I'm running, and I'm not turning back. Come on, somebody. And one of my favorites, I love the way it says this in the NIV. God was just totally wrecking me this morning with this. It says this, I press on. Say, I press on. I press on to take hold. Say, take hold. I press on to take hold of that which Christ has took hold of me. You know what this reminds me of, church? Paul is saying that he, this is a direct reference to the book of Acts. And he's saying, do you remember the story of Paul? He was riding to Damascus, ready to kill Christians, ready to persecute the church. But Paul is saying, I know what God had to do to take hold of my life. He literally had to blind me and knock me down so that I could come to him through salvation, for salvation, all right? And Paul is now saying, I'm, I want to take hold of him that which he took hold of me. Paul is saying, do you know what it took for God to take hold of me? I'm letting go of everything else in the past because I want to take hold of what God has for me. Church, can I just share with you this morning? Do you know, think about this, do you know what it took for God to take hold of your life? Do you know what it took, how much patience God had to take to take hold of your life? Do you know how much wisdom, how much grace God had to take hold of your life? Don't let the church hurt derail you from taking hold of what God has for you in this life. Come on, somebody. Isn't that awesome, all right? You have to shift your focus. You have to shift your focus. Let me tell you, you may not have, and I'll say this in closing, you may not have control over who hurts you or what had happened, but you do have control over who you will be, and you do have control over what future you will live in Jesus' name. Come on, somebody. Stop living in the past. Paul's saying, I let the past be the past. I'm pressing forward. And the, and the context biblically is the Bible is actually saying that life is like a marathon. And at every person's life, at the end of it, there is a finish line, all right? There is a finish line. There is a threshold. And on the other side of that threshold, Jesus is waiting for you on the other side. And the the Bible compares it to like a Greek Olympic Games. And when we cross the finish line, there is another kind of judgment. Not the bad judgment, all right? But a judgment of rewards, He's going to reward us for how we ran this marathon Christian life race. Do you see what I'm saying? And he's going to reward us with a crown of life. He's going to give us the gold, medal, or silver. Do you know what I'm talking about, all right? So what God wants you to do this morning is leave your church shirt in the past. Identify it. Shift your focus, all right? Not become a victim. Continue on the race and finish strong. Come on, somebody. And not stay down, but allow your friends. Your, your, your church buddies and sisters to propel you back up in Jesus' name, all right? So what do we got to do? We got to identify our hurt. We're not going to be victims. We're victors, all right? We need to shift our focus off the perpetrator to the people or to Jesus and to the people who can help us heal, all right? 
Thank you so much for listening to today's message. I pray that it blessed you. It's so vital to do life together. That's why I would love to invite you to The Calling Church. Bring a friend. We would love to meet you. Also, stay connected to our church via our website, The Calling Church app, or our social media. God bless you.